Hi guys, it's me, Mrs. Air again. Hey, um, if you didn't listen to the first few, uh, first one, please hop back off and go back and listen to how Lindy gets rescued from the high behind splinter cat. So this is going to be part three, Conquest, chapter one. The professor and the children discovered that the other side of the mountain descended in a series of gentle rolling hills. Streams and waterfalls poured forth splashing, leaping, and gurgling down the slopes to join the Golden River. The grass was lush and thick of a sparkling aquamarine blue. Ben noticed a mass of plum-colored trees in the distance. What are they? He pointed. I'm not sure, replied the professor. But if my sense of direction is right, that's the forest of the tree squeaks. I would say that right now we're in the heart of Wang Doodle Land. The whiffle bird flew around them and landed in a tree. She fluffed out her beautiful feathers. Easy does it, she said. The professor looked around. Let's take the whiffle bird's advice. This seems to be a good place to rest for a while. There's lots of shade, and I don't think we'll be spotted here. You know, I'm hungry, said Lindy. I haven't had anything to eat for ages. Yeah, I'm starved, said Tom. The professor reached into the low branches of a strange-looking tree. That's easily put right. He pulled down a soft fruit that resembled a large maroon pineapple. Lindy bit into it. That's fabulous. What kind of tree is that? It's a fruit of the month tree, replied the professor. You mean each month it grows a different kind of fruit, asked Tom. My first trip to Wang Doodle Land, the trees were growing tangerangos. A few months ago, it was passionanas. The professor plucked one for himself and took a bite. Mmm, this month is Raz Apple. Have some, he said to the boys. It'll do you good. They ate their fill of the delicious fruit, then relaxed in the shade of the tree. The professor said, you know, I've been thinking, it might be wise to stay here for the night. It's getting dark, and it will be difficult finding our way back. The children loved the idea of camping out in Wayne Doodle Land. The boys rolled up their jackets and used them for pillows. Lindy covered herself up with her cape and rested her head on the professor's lap. They watched a pale, translucent moon rise in an emerald green sky, while brilliant stars sparkled overhead. The winged doodle's palace gleamed in the night like a huge chandelier. Lindy said wistfully, I wish we were up there looking down here instead of the other way around. So do I, Lindy. Oh, so do I. The professor's voice was full of longing. Ben pushed himself up on an elbow. Professor, how close have you come to seeing the Wang Doodle? I mean, before you met us. The professor reflected for a moment. I only came close enough to know that he was there, Ben. Of course, I talked to the proc a lot, and I met our good friend, the Whifflebird. He looked at her perched in the tree close to Tom. She appeared to be fast asleep, although it was hard to tell. I never really got beyond the gambit region, he continued. I discovered that it wasn't possible for me to reach the Wang Doodle by myself. I needed youthful minds to help me. He smiled. That's why I was so thrilled when you came to my door at Halloween, for I'd almost given up hope. It was kind of a miracle, wasn't it? Said Lind Lindy sleepily. Well, I'd call it more of an opportunity, said the professor. Miracles, contrary to popular, be popular belief, do not just happen. A miracle is the achievement of the impossible, and it is only when we put aside our greed, anger, pride, and prejudices so that our, our minds are open and ready to accept it, that a miracle can occur. The Wang Doodle managed to think and do the right things, 
and look at the miracle he brought about for himself and his friends. He surely must have tried hard, said Tom thoughtfully. Do you suppose we'll ever get to meet him? Uh, if you want to badly enough, the chances are it will happen. Actually, I've been doing some thinking. Since we've come this far, how would you feel about making one last all-out attempt to reach the Wang Doodle? If we are careful and lucky, we might reach the palace before the prop has any idea that we're in the vicinity. How do you know the Wang Doodle will let us in even if we reach the palace? Asked Ben. I don't. But I have a feeling the closer we're able to get, the more regard we'll have for our determination. Let's do it, said Tom enthusiastically. Enthusiastically, We haven't got that much farther to go, do we? I don't believe so. Please, Professor, said Ben. Let's give it one more try. Lindy was nearly asleep, but she managed to murmur, Yes, please. The professor smiled and opened his plastic umbrella with the yellow butterflies. I guess it's settled then. Tomorrow, we'll make an early start. I suggest we get some rest now. He pushed the umbrella handle into the soft earth, and it made a perfect shelter from the gentle night breeze that was blowing across the hills. He stroked Lindy's hair and talked quietly in the darkness about the stars and the constellations. He told them about the furry little creatures called flukes and how when the winged doodle first left the human world, they had hidden away in a pair of his old slippers. When they were finally discovered, it was too late to send them back. Lulled by his soft voice, the children pulled their scrappy caps down over their eyes and fell into an easy, comfortable sleep. <clears throat> so there's a little pause in the book right now before the morning. I'm wondering how many of you, a lot of you did actually predicted that they would continue on. So they're going to continue on with their journey and see if they can meet the Wang Doodle. The professor woke them up early. It was barely light and the sun had yet to show itself. Pockets of mist lay among the vivid blue hills. He said quietly, It is imperative that we get through the forest of the tree squeaks before they wake up. If they see us, they'll warn the proc. Let's go. Keep very <laughs> He led the way down the hill, and the whiffle bird flew onto Tom's shoulder. Professor, whispered Ben. There's a road just over there. The professor <laughs> nodded. Probably the main highway. What a bit of luck. The sky was beginning to redden. The professor quickened his pace. They reached the road and discovered that it was made of shell pink flowers clustered so tightly together that they were like a carpet. A signpost stood on a grassy bank. One arm pointed to the trees and read, to the forest of the tree squeaks. Another arm below it pointed in the same direction and it read, to the palace. Not long now, the professor murmured happily. Let's take off our shoes. We'll make less noise. The road was cool and springy beneath their feet. Tom noticed some white star-shaped blossoms growing in a hedge with huge berries hanging beneath them. He tugged the professor's sleeve and asked if he could eat some. The professor picked a berry and tasted it. Delicious, he pronounced. Shut your mouth, muttered the whiffle bird. Why did she say that? asked Lindy. She's saying we must be really quiet, whispered the professor, and he handed Tom a fistful of berries. Yes, but does she have to be so rude about it? Lindy picked up one of the berries and popped it into her mouth. By the time they reached the entrance to the forest, everyone had eaten a scrumptious breakfast. Their first impression of the forest was that it was dark and gloomy. 
But as her eyes adjusted to the light, they saw that it was unusually colorful. The plum-colored trees had brown, gnarled trunks. Most of them were embraced by a vivid pink ivy, growing and twining around the tall columns and twisted limbs. Garlands of honey cream flowers hung from the branches, linking one tree to another. The floor was mossy, embedded with ferns, the color of amethyst. Huge pearl white and crimson orchids grew at the side of the road, which pointed straight as an arrow into the dark interior. Then they saw the eyes. There were thousands of them, large, unblinking, tortoise-shell yellow orbs staring down through the leaves from every part of the forest. It was such a chilling sight that the professor and the children came to a complete halt. Gradually, they were able to discern the bodies of the tree squeaks, which were hanging upside down by their tails from every tree. They were like russet-colored monkeys and with wings folded at their sides. Lindy took the professor's hand. Are they awake or asleep? She whispered. Asleep, I think. They have a strange characteristic of being able to sleep with their eyes open. Come on. They moved forward again, clutching their shoes in their hands. The forest was full of soft, rustling sounds and an occasional tree sque tiny squeak. The professor and Lindy led the way with Ben and Tom and the Whifflebird bringing up the rear. Suddenly, Ben startled everyone by giving a clear, loud hiccup. He dropped his shoes and clapped a hand across his mouth. The professor spun around. Ben's eyes were wide with horror. His shoulders heaved as he hiccuped again. The Whifflebird nervously fluffed out her feathers. Shut your mouth, she mumbled. Shh, hissed the professor. Everyone looked up at the tree squeaks. They had not moved. The professor quickly picked up Ben's shoes and motioned for the children to follow him. They'd only got a few more paces when Lindy made a high, squeaky sound like a mouse with a bad attack of sneezes. She looked panic-stricken and started to apologize, but all that came out was another squeaking hiccup. Oh, oh Professor, what shall I do? She could not stop. The professor hurriedly pulled out his big spotted handkerchief. Lindy grabbed it and promptly dropped one of her shoes. Everyone tried to do something at once. I gotta say, I'm getting quite a movie in my head hearing this. I hope you guys are developing that because I'm going to be asking you hopefully to draw a picture to share with everybody of what you're seeing in this moment. Ben bent to pick up Lindy's shoe, still keeping one hand across his mouth. The professor caught his umbrella handle in his pocket and Tom suddenly gave such a loud hick that the surprised Whifflebird took off. The professor dived for her and caught her just as she was flying past him. His umbrella and the shoes scattered in all directions. Dear Whiffle Bird, he breathed fervently. Please don't make a sound. By now, all three children were hiccuping violently. The professor signaled for everyone to stand still. He stroked the Whiffle Bird and looked up at the tree squeaks. In spite of the noise, they remained undisturbed. I'm going to tie your shoes together so you can hang them around your necks, he whispered. That'll leave your hands free to cover your mouths. He gathered up the shoes and gave a pair to each child. Now, we'll start again. 
follow me and please try to be quiet. At which point he gave the loudest hiccup the children had ever heard. The professor looked so startled. It was all they could do to keep from laughing. The professor lifted up the collar of his jacket and pulled the coat over his head. Muffled sounds came from beneath it as he struggled to stem the attack. The children waited, twitching and shaking, trying desperately to rid themselves of their own fearful spasms. Presently, the professor emerged from beneath his coat. His face beat red. He gasped, we should never have eaten those berries. Take a deep breath and hold it as long as you can. The children did as they were told until they thought their lungs would burst. Then they carefully exhaled. To their surprise, the hiccup seemed to have gone. They all looked at each other. Everything was silent again. Not a sound, not a single peep came from any of them. They smiled with relief. Everybody okay now? The professor whispered. They nodded. Right, let's get out of here. They moved off. Without warning, each one of them let forth an explosive, unguarded hick at exactly the same moment. The noise was so loud that it seemed to split the forest wide open. The result was disastrous. Every tree squeak rose up into the air, squealing, squawking, and screeching, and the entire place rang and throbbed with the terrible sound. Lindy screamed. Tom covered his ears. The whiffle bird cried, Mayday! And the professor grumbled, Fiddlestick! Fiddlesticks! Ben watched the black cloud of tree squeaks swirling above him. To his amazement, he realized they were screaming, People! 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 As loud as they could. The proc and every other creature in the land could not fail to hear such a warning. The Whifflebird's voice cut through the frightful din. Cheer up, she squawked. Well, that's a stupid thing to say, shouted Ben angrily. The professor hugged Lindy close because she was sobbing with fright. Cheer up, 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 cheer. <gasps> that's it, he cried. Let's cheer. Let's drown out the noise. I refuse to be intimidated by this racket. What's intimidated? asked Lindy. Oh, never mind, darling. Just sing. Sing as loud as you can. All of you. Remember when we went out on our picnic and sang in the rain? Sing louder than that. The professor started to sing a rousing march. The children joined in, stomping and banging their shoes together, making so much noise that the Whifflebird got quite excited and flew around shrieking ferociously, Shoot the works! The terrible clamor above them diminished and their hiccups grew less as the professor, waving his umbrella like a baton, led the way through the forest. Quite suddenly, they emerged from the trees and into the daylight. The morning sun was so bright that it took a moment or two to get used to it. They continued singing until they were well away from the forest. The sound of the tree squeak subsided and gradually faded away altogether. The professor sank in onto the grass. My great godfathers he said with feeling. I have never been through such a frightful experience. Those miserable tree squeaks and those ghastly hiccups. He clasped a hand to his stomach. Was it the berries that made us hiccup? Asked Tom. Oh, of course, replied the professor. That's what the Whifflebird was going on when we were eating. When she said, shut your mouth, she meant don't eat. Ben stroked the Whifflebird's beautiful feathers. You always know the right thing to tell us, don't you, Whifflebird? The Whifflebird made her humming sounds and strutted around proudly. The professor said, I really must pay more attention to her. That's the second time I've missed the sense of what she was saying, 
and both times we got into trouble. He prodded Tom. There's a lesson in that young man. Learn to listen well when people are talking. First, it's a great art. And second, it's quite possible that when people say one thing, they mean another. You know, we haven't a hope of now reaching the palace without trouble of some kind. I am quite sure the proc heard the tree squeaks and is already making plans to stop us. But we are going on, aren't we? Asked Ben, hopefully. I'd like to, if that's, that is, if you all agree, said the professor. We're really so close. I say it's the proc or us, Tom declared. How do you feel about it, Lindy? Oh, I feel fine. She said in the small voice, I just wish we could stop being surprised all the time. The professor nodded understandingly and looked around. The region was very different from anything they had seen before. A white desert with cherry red cactus plants growing out of the sandy ground. There were small foothills in the immediate area and beyond them, the giant mountains and the Wang Doodles Palace. The professor got to his feet. Well, if we're going to continue, we'd best be on our way. He strode off at a good pace. And the children followed. Hmm. I'm trying to think. What do you think he could throw at him next? And thinking about the lesson that the children learned from the professor about really listening to people when they talk. All right. So look, this is the end of this chapter. And I will read chapter two next. Um, take a moment to draw a picture. Draw an image of the tree squeaks. Draw an image of the land they just saw. So find a spot in today's reading and draw a picture. Upload it um, to Google Classroom as a comment. Till next time, guys.